Hi everyone, this is Leslie Keith. I'm president of the board of directors at Lipedema Project and director of research. Welcome to Living Well with Lipedema. Today I have an excerpt from a webinar with Dr. Anthony Jay that was held in 2020. Dr. Jay is a biochemist and researcher who has written the best-selling book, Estrogeneration. In this clip, he talks about all of the health issues that are on the rise that may be due to exposure to artificial estrogens. Then he talks about the problems with plant estrogens such as soy and flax. The main topic I'm gonna to speak on is these artificial estrogen chemicals. And unfortunately, there's a lot of them. And I think lipedema is on a rise. You know, I'm sure if it was studied 50 years ago, 100 years ago, I'm sure we would have a trajectory going up. There's a lot of other things that have been going up in terms of health and health disorders, health issues. Breast cancer is one of them. Global breast cancer rates up 250% since 1980. Some countries like the Philippines are even at like 500% increase. Depression also been rising, a lot of things, right? And I'm not gonna say that artificial estrogens are the cause of all of these things and the only cause. There's a lot of other things going on in our health and our culture, but they certainly connect all of these, you know, these health issues. As you study some of these artificial estrogen chemicals, these health issues keep coming up. Now, estrogen goes into your muscles. It can stick to the receptors in your muscles. It goes into your skin. It goes into your trachea. It goes into your lungs. It goes into your bladder. On and on and on. You go down this list. We have receptors all throughout our body. So it shouldn't be surprising that estrogen can cause, when you throw off the estrogen, the natural estrogen balance can cause a lot of problems in a lot of different organs. And there's some that are more consistently seen as a problem than others, but potentially there's a lot of problems here. Now, the other thing, because estrogen comes in three different types, they actually call it a promiscuous receptor. The receptor, which I think is hilarious, right? I mean, a scientific paper talking about promiscuous estrogen receptors. But the reason for that, again, because there's actually three different types of estrogen. So the structural diversity of these estrogens can explain the response of the estrogen receptor to synthetic chemicals, such as BPA, right? Bisphenol A, DDT, on and on and on. They can disrupt estrogen physiology. There's even plant molecules that we're gonna talk about. So that's what opens up this whole floodgate of problems because the estrogen receptor can stick to other things. And generally those other things are unnatural, they're fake, you know, they're man-made, they weren't found in nature a hundred years ago. And if they were, they were just a little bit. Now we've got them purified, you know, and it's becoming a bigger problem. So what are artificial estrogen? Artificial estrogens, they're chemicals that deceive the estrogen system that I was talking about. And the average person is exposed to about 10 of these every day. But I wanna focus on the ones we're exposed to every day because obviously those are the ones we wanna get rid of. The top 10 in my book, I've got this top 10 list just to simplify things. You'll notice there's plant estrogen, phytoestrogen, phyto means plant. There's mycoestrogen, which means mold estrogen. A glyphosate makes the list now because there's more and more research showing that acts like estrogen. And by the way, when I wrote my book, I wasn't totally sure on that. It's becoming more clear. It's tricky because glyphosate, the molecule, the structure of glyphosate doesn't look anything like estrogen. But I think two glyphosates can actually stick together and form a molecule that looks like estrogen. So I think that's how it's happening. 
But anyways, atrazine, another herbicide. We'll talk about a bunch of these, parabens, plastics, phthalates, bis so a lot of stuff. Birth control, of course, acts like estrogen. It's designed that way. And then the artificial red dye. So this is the overview. And now we'll just go into some of the details. So phytoestrogen, plant estrogen. They did a study in Canada with over 100 food items. And they're just plant foods. They're just looking at plants and saying, okay, you eat beans, you eat broccoli, you eat cauliflower, some people eat kale, on and on and on. Let's look at how much plant estrogen is in all of those different plants. They were all under 1,000 units of estrogen, except soy and flax. Soy and flax were over 100,000 units. So it's like a night and day difference between soy and flax and all of the other plant foods that you're eating in terms of how much estrogen they have. So that should be on your radar. Be careful with soy and flax. Some people handle it better. Some people have excellent genetics for dealing with these natural plant estrogens. Again, at least our bodies have seen those chemicals historically. Our ancestors, you know, we have enzymes. We have a system to kind of manage it. Our gut bacteria have seen these. But still, you know, with all the other estrogens we're getting in our system, you got to be careful. And there's no denying. I mean, a lot of people talk about the benefits of soy estrogen and things like that in certain situations, certain contexts. But nobody argues about whether or not it acts like estrogen. And similar with flax. You know, there's benefits from flax. And this is an example here. Flaxseed alters estrogen metabolism in postmenopausal women to a greater extent than soy. Most people don't even realize flax can act like estrogen. And by the way, flax was 300,000 units of estrogen. Soy was 100,000. And again, everything else was under 1,000. I mean, it's just such a huge leap. But what's interesting about flax is it can be broken down to this molecule called 2-hydroxyestrone. And that's actually considered a good estrogen. So if you actually successfully break it down into this other metabolite, you know, it might actually be beneficial, but it's questionable. A lot of people don't necessarily have good gut bacteria these days. And then the other thing about flax that I do like is that number one, it has CBD, cannabidiol. And then it also, of course, has a lot of omega-3. So there's pros and cons with flax. I think you can get your CBD from other sources like hemp. I think you can get your omega-3s from other sources like fish. But this confuses a little bit of the research because if you're trying to study just the estrogen part of it, there's a lot of good parts that come with it. And it makes it messy. It makes it confusing. Lavender oil is another one that's a lot of people don't realize you have a lot of health products these days. They put lavender essential oil. A lot of these conferences I speak at, they don't like me talking about this because every company that sponsors them has these lavender products outside at the tables. Since 2007, the New England Journal of Medicine published a paper. They actually found a bunch of children that were going into puberty. And these were like babies. They were like literally one-year-olds starting to go into puberty. And the common theme with all these children was they were using lavender essential oil products, in particular like lotions and things and putting it on their skin. And basically they did this study where, yeah, that's just an association. We're not sure if it's lavender, but they actually looked at the lavender and compared it to estradiol. And they shown basically it acts on the estrogen receptor at pretty similar levels. And that's really convincing to me because I'm a biochemist and that's the kind of research you want to see. So even here in 2018, now a new study lends further evidence, suspected link, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, you can read it yourself, but they're still talking about caution and how these lavenders are potential endocrine hormone disruptors. Something to be aware of. 
thank you, Dr. J. Fantastic information and good for us to know what things that we should be looking out for and maybe try to avoid. And thank you so much to you, our listeners. If you haven't already subscribed to our daily flash briefings of tips, tools, and research about lipedema, you can subscribe at Apple, Spotify, Amazon Alexa, or here at this website, lipedema-simplified.org slash flash, where you'll find an archive of all of our flash briefings. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join us again next time for another Living Well with Lipedema Flash Briefing.